Good morning, Hope Church. All right, some of you, you've already high-fived 12 people. You can see on the seat. Say, God cares about the details of my life. Look to your neighbor and say, God cares about the details of your life. That's a good thing to realize, is it not? When you're going through a storm, when you're being attacked, when you're dealing with confusion or questions, when you got to make major decisions, God cares. And because He cares, He has already, the Bible said, made a way. He has made a path. He has made an opportunity. He has, he has answered the question. He has solved the problem before you ever got there, before you knew there would be a question or a problem. Why? Because everything has been solved through the cross. At the cross, he, he settled in, with finality the issue of sickness and sin and poverty. At the cross, he settled the issue. And so it's, it's our opportunity, our privilege to, as we grow through the Word of God in faith, begin to receive what's available to us. Hebrews eleven six and Hebrews six twelve. We begin to see, and wait a minute, there is something here that I can receive. There's more in store. Say, there's more in store. I, we encourage you around here at Hope Church, never stop growing. You can never outgrow growth. We should always keep challenging every idea because we don't adopt anything that's said just because it's been said, regardless of who said it, but we always stay open to grow. We can always learn. We can always get better. Can I get an amen? The Bible tells us that, that a child, as long as they are the immaturity of a child, they are as the servants, even though they are in ownership of everything. They are heirs. That means they have access. But one day, when they grow to a place of maturity, then they can begin to move beyond under, under the subjection of the elements to begin to rise above the elements and say, wait a minute, I don't have to operate like everybody else. Because everybody else at that lower level, that they have no choice. They, are, they do what they are told. They have no authority. They have no access. But there is a level of access that God gives us as His children. Did you understand me? It's, it's available to all his sons and daughters, but to his children, they have to learn to grow. There is a place. Where do I get that? Matthew 13, 13, Jesus said to the disciples, now I give you the keys of the kingdom, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, which means I'm giving you the ability now to make a decision and guide the direction because you know the will of God, you know the word of God, and now you're going to begin to operate in the principles of God so that you have a choice. The devil doesn't want us to have a choice. He wants us to think that whatever cards you've been dealt in life, that's the cards you have to live with. But God says, no, there is something greater than this thing called life. Come on, somebody. There is greater than something that's called the doctor's report. I'm talking to somebody today. There's something greater that's called that what that, the attorney said. There's something greater. What is that? That's the Word of God. The Word of God works. And the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is greater than anything the devil or life or the world will try to throw at you. You can rise above it. You can dominate it. You can bring it down. Can I get an amen? You can be like David who said to the king, listen, let me tell you about when I was, when I was watching my father's sheep, my, the father's few sheep, the brother had told earlier. And when a lion and a bear came out, I went after them. And they had that, that little sheep in its mouth, but 
but I went after him and knocked it down. And when I pulled out that sheep out of its mouth, I feel like there's some people, you, you might feel like your life is in the trap of the enemy. It's not that he's trying to catch you. He's caught you and you're about to get devoured. But I'm here to tell you, if you're still alive, there's still time. Are you listening to me today? It's not over. The devil will tell you it's over, but I'm here to tell somebody it's not over. The devil will tell you it's finalized for the, against you, but I'm here to tell you if God is for you, who can be against you? Uh, the devil will tell you that it's too late, but I'm telling you, the God who created time can stop the situation and back it up and change it and do more in a moment than the world can do 10 years. Are you listening to me? The, all right, listen, the devil is a created being. He is not the creator, which means he does not know the future as well as the hu- humanity knows the future. But when we are children of God, sons and daughters of God, we be, because we are created in the image of God, we have the ability to do something the devil does not have to have access to, not just the presence of God, but we can decree and declare a thing. We can prophetically speak a thing. We can see what God is going to do because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will reveal things to come and you can do something. So when the devil tells you it's over, he doesn't know what's over. He only knows what's behind. You can begin to see what God is saying through the word of God and say, oh, that's how you see it, devil. Let me tell you how I see it because I'm not looking through the lens of emotion or pain or feeling or past. I'm beginning to look through the glasses and the lens of the word of God and the truth of God says whom the son has set free is free indeed. If you believe that, take 10 seconds and give him a praise. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not too late. And David took that little sheep out of the out of their mouth and he said then it rose up against him and he had to grab it by its whiskers and kill it and he said the same God that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will be the same God who delivered me from this uncircumcised Philistine this giant you see it as a giant I see it as something out of covenant you see it as a big problem I see it as something that is against the will of God You see it as something that's just showing up and trying to torment Israel. I see it as something that has to come down today. He didn't tell Goliath, I'm going to kill you. He said, today, God will put you into my hands. You might think, you might think, David could have said to him, you might think I'm insignificant. You might think I'm untrained. You might think I'm small and, and not strong. But it don't matter because God is going to bring the strong and they're going to fall on my feet. And I am going to cut their head off. The devil will tell you why you can't. Just say all you're doing is making yourself look worse because when God gets done with you, you're going to be lower than me because he's going to bring you under subjection to the authority he's given me. Are you listening to me today? God will confound the wise, but he'll take somebody that everybody thinks is foolish, and he will confound the wise, because when God is in it, the system changes. Oh, I hear that in my, in my spirit. When God is in it, the system is changing. When God is in it, the system is changing. I appreciate the systems of rule and law and systems of principles that help us learn and manage life and excel. But I'm telling you, when God is in it, the systems are about to change. When God is in it, the systems of marriage are changing. When God is in it, the systems of health are changing. When God is in it, the doctor can give you 20 things to do. But when God is in it, the systems are changing. Are you listening to me? It makes no sense to send a battle. Somebody who's never been trained in war. But David knew something that uh, the soldier 
cultures didn't know. He had a heart after God. He knew how to be in the presence of God. He knew how to worship God. But he also knew that God knew how to fight. And he told Goliath this day, you have not come against me, but you have, you have defied the armies of the living God. And this day, you will fall. He will put you in my hands. I think that's something we ought to give a praise to. I don't know what giant's been calling and speaking to you. I don't know what giant's been intimidating you. I don't know what giant's been yelling and trying to cause you to back up and shut up and step away from God. But I'm here to tell you, you got to look the giant in the eyes. You can't hide in the hole. You can't live in the tent. You got to come out to battle and run to it and say, giant, I'm coming after you because I know something that you might not be aware of that you're about to find out that my God is well able. Someone shout, he's able. Come on, shout, he's able. He is well able, and he's going to bring you into my hands. And today, your head's going to roll. Today, your authority is about to be diminished. Today, your job is about to be canceled. Today, your, jo- your role is about to, you're about to be fired, and you didn't realize it the hard way. Today, David learned that before with the lion and the bear, the reason they rose up is because he knocked them down, but he did not kill them. And because he did not kill them, they were able to come back. So he learned from before. Look to your neighbor and say, we need to keep learning. He learned from before. And so what did he learn? He learned that when you knock the enemy down, make sure you eliminate him from your future. And so he not only knocked him down with the stone, but this time he learned something. That sucker's head's got to come up. The, the, the head represents the point of authority, the top. Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. You got a head of an organization. You have a, you have a head of a country. You have a head of a nation. You have a head. Those head that represents the, the authority. So Goliath represents the, the authority there. And so what did he do? He took the... You, God doesn't start with the weakest. He'll go to the strongest. He cut, he cut his head off. He cut off his authority. He cut off his existence. He cut off his right to ever be used against him in the future. Because what the devil will tell you when you get free from him is I'm coming back. And no, you got to say, I'm cutting off your authority. Where do I get that? Jesus said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That word indeed means to never be used against you in the future. It's a trap that has been destroyed that can never be used used against you in the future but it's not you being free based on you it's who the son 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 when we begin to recognize it's not our power it's his power it's not our power say it's his power we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the glory may be of God. So you have to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That is the power of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Quit looking at yourself. Look to him. You said, I don't feel spiritual. He didn't ask you to feel spiritual. He said, be strong in the Lord. He didn't say, feel it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That means you rise up and the devil say, you can't do it on your own. Say, it's not about me on my own. It's all about me surrendering, submitting to to the order and command of heaven and God's called me to do this and you begin to charge the enemy are you listening and begin to bring defeat to what the enemy thought he had permanent victory if you believe that give the Lord a praise come on say I'm coming out I'm coming out say this is my day 
The devil said, that's a little too cocky. You're not out yet. He doesn't realize he's already defeated. You're already out. And it's just manifesting. It's, you, have, you might not see the full manifestation, but that's just a time factor. You already have the victory. Mark 11, 23, 24. When you believe that you have received it, then you shall have it. I'm telling you, the devil's like, I'm not going to let you go. You're already gone. The moment he starts messing with you, he's already on the way out. He's defeated. Some of us get confused between the devil and the aroma of where he's been. Have you, ever, have you ever been around somebody, and maybe I've had this happen, and all of us, somebody that you know wears a lot of perfume or cologne, and they might use your phone or sat in a specific chair at the house or whatever, and you go one day, and they have left, but you go to sit down, and you're like, and without realizing it, you start thinking about them. You're like, wait a minute. What happens? It's the aroma of where they've been. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost on that. It's the aroma of where they've been. Maybe it's somebody you got in a fight with and you, you broke up with and you told her and you get in your car and you smell the aroma of where they've been. And you, your first tendency is like, oh, I miss them. Let the Holy Spirit wake you up and say, don't miss them. They're, they're, they were a mess and you wanted to get rid of them. Now I'm talking about people who are dating. I'm not talking about your marriage, so don't get, don't get things confused. Keep everything in a balance. I said something like that once, and I had a person come up and said, Pastor, my wife said she wants a divorce. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, yeah, you, you made a comment that just because you make a mistake, you don't have to live with it. God will get you out of it. I said, I never said anything about marriage. I'm sorry that she took it wrong. Someone say hallelujah. And so you get in the car, and you're like, man, I smell them. The devil tried to bring you back into that trap. But they're not there anymore. It's the aroma of where they've been. It's where they used to be, but they no longer op operate or hold a position in your life, that, in that car. Can I get an amen? Say, where are you going? Well, because when, when God begins to show you freedom and liberty in any area of your life, there'll be times you might smell the aroma of that devil where he used to be. And he'll tell you, see, I'm still here. But he's not there. That's the aroma of where he used to be. Come on, somebody. That's where you ought to smile and give God thanks that he doesn't have any. When the devil's in strength, he's in silence. The moment he starts messing with you, that means he's already defeated. And he can't do anything about it because he doesn't have that much power in your life. So all he can do is get a little suggestion to you, hoping you buy in and begin to believe it and activate this principle of law of faith. And then you can open the door to let him back in. But when you begin to have that aroma the devil says, I'm back. Just say, no, you're not back. That's just the aroma. That's just a reminder to me. I'm not going to use it as a way to get you back into my life. I'm going to be using it as a way to remind myself to give God thanks because he is so good that he set me free. And I don't have to live with that. I don't have to be bound by, by bondage again. Are you listening to me today? It's the aroma. And just laugh at the devil. Say, ha, you thought you won, but you are already out the door because he is a liar. The father of all lies, Jesus said. And there is no truth in him. God cares about the details of your life. Hallelujah. Say, God cares about my details. He wants you free. He wants you healed. He wants you whole. Why? Because that's covenant. That's covenant. That belongs to you already. You might be not fully there. That's okay. We're all growing in some areas of our lives. You get one area working great, and then all of a sudden you're being attacked on the flank, and you got to turn around and deal with that area. But that's okay. 
Jesus said, you'll deal with trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome. And so we stand our ground. We stand and do the fight of faith. We fight the good fight of faith. And one of the things that will strengthen us in this fight is this context. Now listen to me for the next few minutes. This concept of thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving is more than a dinner once a year. Thanksgiving is more just saying, I'm grateful, I have attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving is more than, uh, we thank you for this food today. Thanksgiving is a powerful force that's available to bring us into a place of victory. Because as long as, listen, as long as we live in the world of carnality, we will not see the way God wants us to see. We will, not, we will not talk the way God wants us to talk. We will not experience the way God wants us to experience. When you feed yourself nothing but carnality, the spirituality a part of you, the spirit side, the greater part of you, begins to get weakened because what you feed grows and what you starve weakens. I'm not here to put anybody under condemnation, but the reality is if, it's, if you're not in that place where you think you should be, then pray for the Lord to give you the desire and the ability to do what you need to do. Again, like we did a few weeks ago, God has the path. David said, show me your path. I like to say, Father, show me the fast path. I want the path, if it's possible, I want the, the path that gets me there in days and not decades. Right? Show me the fast path. Get me there. It's already available to me. The promised land's already prepared. He's already prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies. Get me to the table, Father God. Show me what I need to do so I can get up to the table and begin to enjoy what you have already provided for me. It's already done. He doesn't bring a new miracle to you. He doesn't bring a new healing to you. He doesn't bring a new blessing to you. It's already done. I want you to see that. You're you're not trying to get healed. You're the healed of the Lord. A thief, John 10, 10, tries to steal. The enemy he's not trying to give you something you don't want he's trying to take something from you and it's like lord show me the fast path to that table of provision the healing direction my memory my my heart my emotions my relationships whatever it is god cares about the details don't ever get to a place that you're comfortable with god dealing with some areas and other areas you just let it go to the side i'm telling you if if it's just a minor thing sometimes we only take to god big things oh god i'm about to die well that's a big thing you need to take it to God. Oh God, I mean, th- this is falling apart. That's a big thing. You need to take it to God. But I want to encourage you to have the mindset that the devil has no right to anything that belongs to you that comes from your heavenly father. One of the things I think that, that God loved about David was not only as a worshiper and a fighter, but David was, he was taking care of his father's few sheep. And so what looked like not important to most people, David was like, it's so important because it was in the, came from my father's hand, I'm going to fight for that. Most people just say, well, we'll just say we, we're going to open up a restaurant and feed lions and bears today, and we'll, you know what I mean, we're a blessing, we'll, and they'll reverse engineer every idea that's uh, happening in life. But David's like, I, I, it's worth a risk, it's worth a fight, because it came from my father. If it came from my father, I'm going to fight for it. I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy as I sit there and applaud him or let him or close my eyes or hide in a tent or in a hole. I am going to stand up and say something about it. Do you see what I'm telling you? And some Christians, they only wait to the major things. I want to encourage you that if there's anything in your life that came from your father, he cares about the details so much that he wants you to know that if the enemy's trying to steal from you, he doesn't have a right to steal from you. And you've got to rise up and tell him the Put it back. You got a, you got a right to tell him to take his hands off it. 
you're like, well, it's not that big. There's people with bigger problems. Yeah, but you got a bigger God that's giving you a bigger authority. And all I want you to do is begin to see even the small details of your life he cares about. He cares about the details. Don't let anything be eaten up by the enemy. Let the devil know the moment he even walked past your door. He's, he's got to fight at it. You mess with who? But you don't even know him. But I know somebody who knows him. That's good enough. Come on, intercessors. Back in the day, we used to put a lot of emphasis on intercessors. I think that gets lost sometimes. An intercessor is just not someone who's praying. It's somebody who will pray for other people. Say, God, I'm ready. I, I, I'm good on my own, but look, I'm good with my life, but I, I'm just not going to stop praying. Lord, I'm going to pray. If you need somebody to pray for somebody, even if I don't know who it is, you put it on my heart. Amen. There's power in prayer. Yeah. I think our prayers will be stronger for ourselves if we learn how to pray for other people, but that's another subject for another time. And we don't got, we got, If we want to get out of here before Christmas, we got to just stay on target. Hallelujah. God, say, God cares about the details. Not just the big de details, but even the minor details. And I can't speak for you, but I know in my own life, there's times that I've allowed the little things to not be fought for. Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's not what I wanted. It's not ideal, but, you know, I'll learn to live with it. But I feel, and I wasn't preparing to say this, but I feel almost like a roar in my spirit today. That God is wanting us, no, you don't have to live with it. You don't have to tolerate it. You don't have to accept it. Well, it's not the way I wanted it, and I was wanting better, but, you know, you know maybe this is an age thing. Maybe this is just the uh, way marriages go. Maybe this is, no, you don't have to tolerate anything from the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, I don't like to fight. You're going to learn to fight. Fight God's way. Are you listening to me? Because we're not going to allow the enemy to kick our teeth in anytime he wants. When you wake up, it shouldn't be, oh, no, where the devil is. When you wake up, the devil should say, oh, no, where are you? Are you listening to me? It, it, it's not that you live in battle or live in warfare, but I want you to have the mindset. Anything that came from your heavenly father into your life is of great value to God and a great value. He cares about the details. And if any area the enemy tries to step in, if you had seven kids, uh, grandkids, come on, let's go that route. If you have seven grandkids in your backyard and a dog came out and started, you wouldn't say, well, I hope, you know, I mean, nobody gets bit, but if one gets bit, the other six will be fine. And that's a pretty good eye. No, you would get a gun, stick, whatever you had. If you had to, take off your earrings and grab your shoe. And you would go after that pit bull and let them know that every one of my grandchildren are important. You are not going to harm one hair on my grandkids. Can all the grandmas in the house agree with me on that? And I'm here to tell you that the heart of the Father wants you to have his mindset that not one hair on your head, not one thing in your life 
You can't sit back and say, I'll let the enemy do what he wants, and I'll just hope it gets over. No, you rise up and say, no, no, and a third time, no, devil. You have no right, and I will not tolerate you in any area of my life, not in my finances, not in my marriage, not in my children, not in my grandchildren, not in my emotions, not in my peace, not in my joy, not in my strength, not in my church, not in my neighbor, not in my friend. You have a fight on your hands. You cannot think I'm going to sit back and watch you. You devil, you are a liar. You are a fool. You have awakened something because the word of God is shining in my heart. And Isaiah 60 says when the light comes, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. I'm hearing this in someone's life. It's time to wake up spiritually and to begin to arise and be the sons and daughters of the Most High God. If you believe that, give them a praise. Hallelujah. 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 You are not a victim. You are not weak. You are not a failure. You are not a mistake. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You have royalty in your veins. You are not under a curse. You are under a blessing. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a new family. You have a new inheritance. You have a new bloodline. This thing is real. This thing is not just a fiction. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a Sunday only. This is a, in the doctor's office, he will see. Let the atheist doctors scratch his head, her head, that can't understand why what you believe from the word works in your life. If that's for you, praise them. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm getting up. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm getting up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Religion will desensitize you to God. Religion will teach you that's just the way it's going to be. Religion will take your power. I'm not into religion. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You can go to enough churches in St. Louis if you want and find all the religion you want and we'll tell you, well, God bless you. You are going to suffer for Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that he's already suffered, taking your place on the cross of Calvary so that not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God, you can enter into this covenant because of the blood of Jesus and begin to say, I am not who I used to be. I am a child of God. I don't have to take this. Wait a minute. And the prodigal came to himself. I'm looking for men and women of God to come to the identity, the reality of who they are. Come to yourself. Come be awakened to who you rightfully are in the word of God by the covenant of the blood of Jesus. Not what the world says, not the labels of life, but you come to yourself. He came to himself and said, why do I sit here? I'm telling you, when you begin to come into the understanding of truth and revelation and the anointing of God, when you get in the anointing, it'll awaken to you, why do I tolerate this? Why am I letting the devil torment me? Why do I allow the devil trying to get me to redirect and manage my time? And, oh, I got to do it this way. Why do I have to limit myself now based on the attack of the enemy? No, I don't have to. Come to yourself. Shout, look to your neighbor and say, 
come to yourself. He awakened, he came to himself and said, why do I sit here? My father, oh, I love that. My father, hallelujah. What brought him back was not the pigs. What brought him back was not the hunger. What brought him back was not the poverty. What brought him back was not the problem. What brought him back was the, the understanding, the remembrance, to be reminded of who his father was when it affected who he is. Who his father was impacts who he is. Who his father is impacts who he is. And he said, why do I sit here and act like I'm basically a starving servant when my father has so much that even his employees have more than enough. I'm going to rise up. Come on, somebody. They didn't drag him up. They didn't pull him up. He didn't. He said, I'm going to rise up. Too many times we've told we need 20 people to help us. And sometimes in life you might need somebody. But I'm telling you, most of the time, you got to get within yourself. I'm going to rise up. Enough is enough. I'm going to rise up. Enough is enough. I'm going to rise up. I'm not going to live under fear anymore. I'm going to rise up. I'm not going to be dealing with mental health issues anymore. I'm going to rise up. I'm not going to deal with torments of demons. I'm going to rise up and begin to understand who my father is. Impacts who I am. Are you listening to me today? You, one of the good things about giving God thanks is you're remembering who he is. And when you remember who he is, it impacts who you are. If you believe that, take 30 seconds and give him a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you today. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. You are good. Psalms chapter 100. Psalms 100. I think many of us have heard this verse before. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Give thanks unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Notice this. Notice this. What does it start off? Enter into his gates. His gates. His gates. What is a gate? A gate is a doorway to something. Enter into his gates. It's a doorway. It's an opportunity. Enter into his gates. Notice, with thanksgiving. Are you ready? We think of thanksgiving based on past. But you have to understand, thanksgiving from the past, or even who he is in Revelation, thanksgiving propels you to your future. It says enter. Enter is an action. It's a motion to a forward destination. To enter somewhere, you were leaving where you've come out of to step into something new. You are coming out to step into. You're coming out. If I go into a house, if I'm going to enter the door, then I leave the outside to come inside the house. So for me to enter someplace, I have to be willing to let go of someplace. The reason some of us are stuck in a place is because we are hanging too tight on where the place we're in. But it's good. It's not the great, but it's good. And sometimes you got to let go of what you're holding on to to enter what God has for you. We got to enter. To enter, I must let go of the place I'm in and begin to say, God, I, I've got this figured out on my side where I'm in, but I know there's a greater place. The Bible says that he brought his people out into a bigger place. 
God never just brings you into something before he takes you out of something. We want God just to add to the mix. And when we have the mentality of God just add to the mix, we look like those people on TV that hoard in their garage and you can't even walk through the house. Because we got so much junk. Now, if that's you, I don't know. I've never been to your house. So just between you and Jesus. Garage sale coming. Hallelujah. But, we have, but God brings us out of something into. So Thanksgiving moves us. They tell us psychologically that people typically don't like change unless the pain is too bad or the opportunity for victory is too great and they don't want to miss it. But when you begin to give God things, it's not a, oh, I'm afraid about what I'm about to lose. It's a, look what God is doing. I'm stepping out of this because God has something greater. I'm stepping out into, enter, enter, enter. That's a future. That's a motion. So Thanksgiving is just not a, I'm reminding myself of things that God has done. It is an, an action. It's a spiritual force that will move you into what God has got for you. It's just not the past. It's about your future. It's just not about the past. It's about your future. And to ignore that will hinder you to your future. Israel, on their journey to the promised land, begin, no matter what God had done, begin to complain what God had yet to do. I can say that here because I know nobody here deals with this. But they begin to always have a negative attitude about God because he hadn't done something for them in front of them, but they had forgotten what he had already done for them. And the problem wasn't even so much that they forgot what he had done, but there's a bigger problem. But they had forgot that he had delivered them for slavery, delivered them and killed their enemies, set them free, created a promised land for them to go to, healed them because the Bible says that was, there was not any sick or feeble amongst them. Bless them because they went to literally the night before, God told Moses, tell them, ask the people that have, you have had to call master that you've been a servant to, ask them for their gold. Egypt was the most powerful, dominating, richest nation on the planet at the time. And God said, on your way out, I've broken their back, on their way out, I'm going to give you a grace. Ask them for their gold. And they plundered, they plundered the richest nation of the world without fighting one moment. They just watched God do it. And if you think they had to go through it, read it again. Because when the plagues were coming to Egypt, there was no plagues in Goshen where they lived. God said, I've delivered you. I, I killed and crushed your enemies. I've healed you. I've blessed you. And on their way out, they kept complaining about what God had yet to do. And God told Moses, you tell them, I have heard their complaints of what they have said. Challenge it. God said, you tell them, I have heard their words they have spoken against me. Let them know that I will make happen what they are saying. Because they said, if God, has God brought us out into this desert so we die of hunger? God said, I, enough's enough. You don't even, you're not grateful, you're not thankful for what I've done. 
All you do is complain what I have yet to do, and you've crossed the line, enough's enough, and because of that, I will do what you have said. That'll make some of us repent real quick. Oh, God, I repent for complaining about you, not fixing something. But I believe that the bigger problem wasn't that they had forgotten what God had done. They forgot to give him thanks for who he is. Because when you're delivered, he's the deliverer. A savior saves. A healer heals. A provider provides. Come on, somebody. A protector protects. And God wanted his people to know him. And so he would reveal to them different names so they could understand who he is by nature and character. So when they ever came to that place of, oh, I'm needing this, they say, wait a minute. We, we know God as a protector. That, that means we can begin to celebrate because we know he's got our back. We know him as our shepherd. Hallelujah. We know him as our healer. Are you listening to me? Bless his name, which means bless him by the nature of who he is that you understand as be revealed to him, to you. Say, bless his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Are you getting anything from this today? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It's a sacrifice of praise. That doesn't mean it's, it's hard. It means it's the best. The sacrifice, it costs you. It's the best. The sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name. We're, and we should be thankful for the food in front of us. We should be thankful for the things he's done. I'm not saying ignore that. I'm bringing it to the next level. The next level is you begin to understand and have an understanding of who he is, and you give thanks unto him because of who he is. So when you're, you're feeling that pain, you still begin to walk the halls of your house and say, I want to thank you, Father God, that you are my healer. Hallelujah. You are my Jehovah Rapha. You are my Jehovah Tiskanu, my righteousness. When the devil tries to condemn you, I thank you, Father. You are my righteousness. Hallelujah. You are my healer. You are my provider. Whatever it is, I'm giving you thanks for who you are. And thanksgiving will move you through the door. Hallelujah. You do have to ask. But after you ask, then begin to give thanks. Even the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything, but in all things. With, with thanksgiving, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that exceeds your understanding will keep and guard your heart, soul, and mind. Thanksgiving, I give them thanks for who he is. But I haven't seen it yet. See, they didn't understand. Israel didn't realize that if they begin to know who he is, that he's not only behind them having done great things, he's ahead of them before they get there. Hallelujah. He's ahead of them because he is in all dimensions. He created time. He's not just in the present. He's in all dimensions. He called this a dimension. I, I, I like this kind of stuff on my own personal side. He, he, he's in the dimension of eternity. Time factor, as we understand, is linear, created by God for Adam, humanity. And when Adam threw it off, God has already, he's going to wrap this thing up and bring us into this thing called eternity. God lives in the eternity. The Bible says he sees the end as equally as he does the beginning. So he's not only behind you, 
The Bible says that he's a, in front of you, behind you, and his hand of blessings upon you. He's with you, but he's already ahead of you. So when you face an unexpected oh no, begin to say, instead of OMG, say, I'm going to give you thanks because you were already here before I knew. Do you understand that? Before you ever knew you had a need. That's what Jehovah Jireh, it means the Lord that provides, but it literally means the Lord who backed up in time and saw every need before you ever were even born and has made provision through the cross of Calvary so that by the time you hit that wall, you can say, I'm hitting a wall, but God, I know that you are already here. I just need you to show me the fast path. What do I need to do? Because this wall is not big enough to keep me into, from destiny because I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm serving you. That means this wall is not too big for you. Show me. You've already got the solution. Hallelujah. What it means when the Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because it's just not every weapon that was formed at the time of the writing. It's every weapon that will be formed in the future. So before the devil ever thinks of a new idea and he doesn't come up with new ideas. But if he could come up with new ideas. Because all he does is mimic what God does and twist it. But if he could come up with an original idea. Before he came up with the original idea. God was there. And already knew it before he could come up with it. Do you understand how big our God is? He is so good. And he was there. And because he was there, he put it on the cross of Calvary. On the sacrifice of his son. And by his stripes, you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24. Why is it past tense? Because it happened at the cross. You are healed. You are saved. You are delivered. You are free. If you believe that, stand to your feet and give him a praise. Come on, stand your ground and say, I'm free, I'm healed. Hallelujah. You may be seated, you may be seated, you may be seated. Ooh, hallelujah. And so there's, there's these names that God has given throughout the Bible to try to, to try to identify, reveal his nature to his people. One of those I just came across recently. This, I heard this guy say it. I need to get with my, my Jewish friends and have it confirm it. But I'm going to say it anyway because it just sounds so cool to me. One of the first names God revealed himself was Yahweh. Have you ever heard this? And in the Hebrew, there's, there's no vowels. It's actually Y-H-W-H. And in Hebrew, it's, it's a whole different way. It's a whole different language. But it's also numbers. And that numbering system is number 10, number 6, number 5, number 6. No, num yeah. No. I think that's right. You won't remember those numbers anyway. To remember. <laughs> 10, 5, 6, 5. 10, 5, 6, 5, I believe. And they, they, it means, Lord, I am who I am. Yeah. Almighty. Yahweh. Say Yahweh. He is the all-sufficient, all-supreme God. And so what was new that I'd never heard of was that because if said per some rabbis, and I don't know who those per rabbis specifically are, I can't vet them right now in the moment, but it's so cool, I, just, I was excited, I just got to tell you, that the, the name Yahweh was to be said without moving your tongue or letting your lips touch each other. It was literally a breathing sound, an inhale 
and an exhale. And what's so cool about that is that it's the first thing a baby says when they come out of the womb. Jesus told the disciples, he breathed on them. The Holy Spirit's the breath of God. The ruach is the Hebrew word. When God created Adam, he breathed in him the breath of life. When a child is, takes that first, and when someone passes and goes and they're saved, goes to heaven, what's the last thing you hear? They come into the, oh my God. I love that. Hallelujah. That's powerful. If it's not true, it should be true, because that is just amazing. I'm telling you, that's just, that is just, it's got to be true. Because that, how, the coolness of God, who cares about the details of our lives, that every person will have a chance to say his name in their life. Mm. Psalms 103, verse 1. We're almost done. We got about two hours left. <laughs> I'm joking. That was a joke. Psalms 103, verse 1, amplified. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deep within me, bless his holy name. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget of any of his benefits. What are those benefits? Who forgives all your sins. I want you to notice something, and I checked the other translations, and it's all similar. Notice not only what the benefits are, notice the, the, the timing of those. It didn't say past tense, the tense of it. It said, he, who has forgiven your sins, and he, if you're saved, he has forgiven your sins. Yeah. Who what? Who forgives? Who forgives? There is a stream of forgiveness available, 1 John 1, 9, that if you sin, you, you can repent of your sins, and he's faithful and just to cleanse you, forgive you and cleanse you. 1 John 1, 9, who forgives? Has anybody in the house been forgiven? Come on, we're going to take a few seconds to begin to give God things. That's a benefit. That's a benefit to have peace in your spirit. That's a benefit. Come on, lift your hands. Say, thank you, Father, for forgiving me. Thank you. I am forgiven. Thank you, I am forgiven. Hallelujah. Who forgives all your sins, I am forgiven. Come on, say, I am forgiven. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. If you're a man, say, I'm a son of God. If you're a woman, say, I'm a daughter of God. You're, not just, a you're just not a child. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. I am forgiven. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of that. You, he has forgiven us. Don't look down your nose at people that are in sin because if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all be there. <laughs> who forgives all our sins, who heals, who 
heals all our diseases. All of them. Anything that's got a name must bow with, at the name of Jesus. He's healed. And it, there is a flow of healing and health and life in the presence of God. What a great doorway. What a great doorway. What a great doorway. Get into the presence of God and all of a sudden, Lord, I thank you for healing. I thank you for healing. I thank you that not only for healing, I thank you that you are my healer. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God, that you are the healer. You are the great physician. There is no doctor like you. There is no healer like you. You do not make mistakes, and you never have to take a second look, and you never get, have to do a second opinion. Hallelujah. There is, no, there is no healer like our God. There is no healer like our God. You might think I'm going long, but I'm just letting every sickness that kind of crawled in this place with you, let them hear that there is no healer like Jesus. He is the great, oh my goodness. By his stripes you were healed, 1 Peter 2, 24. He took and bore your sickness and your infirmity, hallelujah, Mark 8. I'm telling you, healing is the bread of the children, Matthew 15. I'm telling you, healing belongs to you. It's not something for other people. It's not for just a, oh, they're super spirit. No, it's for every child of God. It's for every child of God. You must understand in the kingdom of God, the, there is a whole different level, whole different understanding. Jesus said, amongst prophets born of women, there was no... No greater prophet but John the Baptist but then he goes on to say but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John we are in, not in the old covenant we are in the new covenant in the new covenant you have been elevated you in the new covenant you are at a whole nother level in the new covenant you have a whole nother last name in the new covenant you are a child of God the son and daughter of the most high God you are part of a family you don't earn it you receive it by grace through faith in the new covenant it's all better uh, are you listening give them thanks for he is the great healer. He is healing. He is life. And if the same spirit, the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken, which means make alive your mortal body. I speak healing and life into every cell of your body. Where there was death, now I speak life in the name of Jesus. We curse and bind and rebuke death. We curse and bind and rebuke limitation, and we speak the life and power of God into your body in Jesus' name. If you receive that, give him a praise. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Who forgives you, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Shout, I'm free. The devil starts messing with any area of freedom of your life. We don't sit back and say, well, let, you know, I feel good on Sundays, you know. Having a one day a week bad. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you won't deal with the battle, but I'm saying don't give in. Don't throw in the, don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the flag of surrender. Because you're, what, what if I don't win the battle? You fight the battle. The, the power is God's responsibility. And one day when you cross over, if you're still fighting, you, you need to be fighting to the last breath to let him know that you have fought a good fight. You have kept the faith. 
Don't ever throw in the towel. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how dark it looks. I don't care if you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. You let them know that you're not looking to the natural light at the end of the tunnel. That you have the light that comes from the word of God in heaven. For the word is a lamp into your feet and light into your path. Are you listening to me today? You got to get so determined on the inside that you're going to follow God. Hell or high water. This side eternity next. That there's something greater on the other side. Paul said I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And now there awaits me a reward on the other side of eternity he told them my heart's desire is to be in heaven but I know I got to pro- I got a I got a purpose and a responsibility here on earth and I'm caught between the two he got such a glimpse of heaven that he knew it was a better victory a better promotion never cry for a believer who stepped into eternity they are promoted they are running and skipping and shouting on the streets of gold they are in the they are in the manifested presence of God that we can't yet to experience because of this thing called the flesh has to be dealt with yet but I'm telling you you ought to fight let the devil know there is nothing too small you mess with my healing I'm gonna fight you you try to mess with me and my walk with God I'm gonna fight you no little sin is acceptable I'm not saying you have to be under bondage I'm saying you need to live with your spirit and your conscience clear before God you're not have to be judged by people don't let other people put upon your shoulders what God did not reveal to you yet it might be good for them but if you're not at that level you walk it out by faith that's why we tell people you define convictions based on your walk with God and the Word of God and it will guide you and help you well so many times in the church world everybody's trying to make somebody be just like them and if they weren't called to be just like them we need to help people be more like Jesus that means free them to walk this thing out and get a conviction and walk it out if you feel it's wrong to cut your hair don't cut your hair if you don't cut your hair it don't make a difference to me you you need to operate by your level of understanding of the word and your conviction but don't let the devil ever get and put on you something that didn't come from God let them know I'm not going to wear that armor I'm not going to put on that habit I'm not going to live with that mindset I'm going to put on the Bible says that I'm going to put on the armor of God I'm going to put on the light of Jesus Christ I'm going to live what he's called me to live don't let the devil have any space you might own a thousand room hotel but let the devil know that every room says no vacancy to him you're not going to tolerate any space you got to live a life and say, I'm not every area that he tries to mess with, he's got a fight on his hand. If you believe that, give him a praise. Shout, I'm free. I know I'm going a little longer, but I'm doing it on purpose because I'm moving past your level of emotional ability to sustain yourself. If I can get past your emotional high and you begin to emotionally settle down, then I can st- start talking to your spirit person. And if I can start imparting the word into your spirit person, because your, your emotions are great when they're high, but if you receive something on the height of emotion, the moment it goes down, you've done lost it. But if I can get you past the level of your emotion, I know I'm talking to somebody today, then I begin to move beyond just an emotion. I'm moving into a place of spiritually speaking into your spirit person. And the deposit into that realm is so much greater you say, I got to go. Well, then you can go. But I'm here to tell you, there's something deeper. God is working in the foundations and the lives of people. Enough is enough is the message we're going to walk away, letting the devil know we're giving thanks to God for we know who he is. And because we know who he is, we know who we are. And because we know who we are, anything that comes from the Father will not be tolerated for the enemy to occupy. Not even for a moment in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Well, pastor, that seems a little impossible. What do you think the Word of God is? It's a level beyond your best so you'd understand that you don't do it on your own ability. You do it on His ability. This, th this thing is not lowering the bar. It raises the bar so you understand that it is not you. It's Him working through you, enabling you, empowering you to say no to sin, to say yes to God, to do what He's called you to do. If all you're doing is living the best life that you can live, you are short-circuiting and lowered yourself to the standard. God has such a greater level that's beyond you, and that's taking your eyes off you and begin to get your eyes on Him and read the good report and not the evil report of the world. Can, give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Who heals you of all your diseases. Who heals you of all your... Who redeems your life from the pit. Say, I'm free. Who crowns you lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercies. You're loved. You are greatly valued. You are so valued that one of the tactics of the enemy in sin is to not only separate you from God, but to devalue you. Show me somebody who's committing adultery and watch their self-image gets worse and worse. Someone living in sin, they get worse and worse. Why? Because what happens is the devil begins to deteriorate. He's a thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come in just for a little thing. He'll come in as much as he can get. And do you save enough is enough. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus not only heals your body. Come on, somebody. He, but he heals your broken heart. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Bruising is a subsurface injury. It's a subsurface, which means you don't see it on the outside. It's happening on the inside. And there's a lot of people in the church who love God, but on the inside of who they are, they are broken. They have been wrecked by sin. They have been devalued. They think that God doesn't care about them so much. They think that they're a second-rate citizen. They think any bad thing that happens, it's what, something they deserve. And they live a life thinking that God doesn't have value. I'm here to tell you that you are the apple of God's eye. Your Heavenly Father loves you. And I'm speaking into your heart right now. Be be healed today in your soul. Be healed today in your soul. Not only your mind and your body, but in your soul. Be healed today in your soul. And you're going to walk out of here in Jesus' name knowing that you are precious in your Father's sight. That you are greatly, highly loved. You are of great value. A lot of times people only care about surface stuff. But God cares about all the stuff. He cares about the details. Boy, that keeps coming back. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He wants you to know that you are loved. But I had a bad day. He still loves you. Even on your worst day, he still loves you. His love doesn't change. That doesn't mean that you're going to get everything that's available to you. No, you got to get yourself back in a relationship with him. People that don't go to heaven are not because God doesn't love them. God loves them, loves them, loves them. It's because they choose not to receive what Jesus has done. But I want you to know when you walk out of here that you are loved. You are loved. But I'm not that smart. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You are loved. But I'm not that successful. It doesn't matter how successful. You are loved. If you could get a hold of that, you know what changes everything. You know what changes everything. For God so loved the world. God will do more through someone who understands that and loves him back and says, Lord, I, I, Jesus said it this way. He who has been forgiven much loves much. And to the woman who broke the alabaster box and poured it on Jesus. And Judas said, we could have used that money. His intent was wrong.
His logic would be correct, but his intent was wrong. Don't you know who's doing that? He who is forgiven much, loves much. And he says, wherever the gospel will be preached, she will be mentioned. I think she just got that card that says, go around the board. And double payday. Skip the steps everybody else is following. Say, I'm loved. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. Good things, hallelujah. You know, God enjoys blessing you. He delights in the prosperity of his people. God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. When you look to your stuff for everything and for fulfillment and all your joy, you're missing out. He wants you to enjoy stuff. He delights in the prosperity of his servants, the Bible says. He just doesn't want you to make that your God. He wants you to keep it in place. And you want to know one way that he asks or figures out how to keep it in priority in right position? He'll ask you to give stuff away. Now, we're not taking up another offering, so just chill out. (laughs) But generosity in the house, but to other people, is one of the systems God wants to know, what are you holding on to more? The stuff or me? Because if it's a him, and he, I'm not saying go... Get all your money and give it to the first stranger you see. No, it's following the Lord. It's just trusting in the Lord. The rich young ruler's problem is the Lord asked him to sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow him. But he didn't trust him enough because under the old covenant, which is the time frame they were working in, under the old covenant, if you gave to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he will repay. So the test wasn't have nothing. The test was, are you willing to trust me enough to put it in my hands and let me bring it back to you? So many people have used that passage wrong, so God doesn't want us to have stuff. Well, keep reading Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Because Jesus says, it's harder for a rich man to to go through the eye, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to come to the kingdom. And the disciples said, Lord, who could be saved? And And Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And Peter responds and said to them, I don't know who I'm talking to, but Peter responds to them and says, Lord, we have given everything away to serve you. And Jesus didn't say, Peter, you're a poster child. No, Peter, he said to Peter, Peter, anyone who gives to me in the gospel's sake, houses or lands or parents, will receive a hundredfold in this life with persecution and a life to come, eternal life. What was he saying? Anything you give to the gospel... See, I like doing these teachings after the offering because I want you to, even in your generosity and your obedience and God and giving, be by doing it not by an emotional moment, but doing it by faith. If I work you up to a moment emotionally and then take up an offering, it could be construed as manipulation. I don't look to manipulate people. I want people to grow in faith. And because when you understand the principle by faith, then nothing can hold you back. Because you're looking for God to show you the path. Because his path will take you to the next level. His doorways. Are you listening to me? And so he said, listen, anybody who gives, Mark 10 verse 30, anybody who gives to the, uh, me in the gospel's sake, or gospel will receive a hundredfold of what they've given in this life with persecution. Because why? Not everybody's happy when you're happy. When you got a raise and you called your neighbor and they were like, yeah, whatever. But the principle works. 
So it's not about money. God doesn't mind you having stuff. He wants you blessed. Blessed, it doesn't mean you have to have three Ferraris in a garage. And if you do, invite me over. I want to drive one of them. <laughs> if I can even fit in one of them. I remember going to the dealership. I'm going really long, but I like you guys so much, I'm going to keep you for a little longer. <laughs> I remember going to a dealership, and they had, uh, it was like a Chrysler dealership, and they had an older Ferrari Testarossa, and I remember that, you know what I mean, from Magnum PI, he had a 308 GTBI, and I remember, oh, that's close, I'm going to go sit in that, and I got in that, and I thought, I can't even fit in this thing. <laughs> Take that off my prayer list. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't have it on my prayer list, that's just a joke. Um, but God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. He wants you to be blessed. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we don't let God bless us. We literally sabotage our own opportunities. Because we feel like, oh, I shouldn't have that prominent position at work. I don't need that other title at work. You let God bless you. Because a blessing is not having a, just a bunch of stuff. It's having your needs met, enjoying life that God wants you to enjoy, but also being a blessing and impact in the lives of other people. Amen. Are you listening to me today? Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that was in, within me. Bless His holy Amen. name. If you received anything from that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you, is Jesus real to you in a way that you know for yourself that he's Lord and Savior? Only you can answer that. That can't be answered by anybody else. God does not have any grandchildren or stepchildren. He only has children. So if you're here, you say, Pastor, I don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe because you've never heard the gospel, that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, was buried for you, and on the third day rose again for you. That you don't have to earn it, you don't have to work it, you just receive it by grace through faith, through a simple prayer. Or maybe you've allowed stuff to come between you and God, and you know your heart's not right. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you and you're like, Pastor, I don't have a real relationship with Jesus, then follow this prayer. Let it come from your heart, right where you're sitting. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say with me. Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins was buried for me, and on the third day, rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I invite you in to my heart and into my life and I ask you to wash me in your blood and be my Lord and Savior thank you for forgiving me thank you for saving me amen now if you prayed that prayer everybody look up here if you prayed that prayer I want to speak a blessing over your life Ephesians 3 verse 16 says that you can be strengthened with might 
by the Holy Spirit, the inner person, the inner man. I believe that's something that's needed in these last days around every church. It's as believers, we thought walking in love meant accommodating everything and everyone. And we've been so polite to everybody that we've diluted who we are. And now you can't tell them, and not in this church, but in a lot of churches, you can't tell who's saved and who's not saved. The world acts religious like the church, and the church acts worldly. And there's no strength. It doesn't mean you have to be rude. It doesn't mean you have to be abrasive. But it means that God will give you internal strength to say no to sin and temptation and the attack of the enemy. And yes to him. And so what I'm going to do is ask you at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and meant business with God, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. You say, Pastor, I'm not comfortable with standing in front of people. I don't even know most of these people. I understand that. But that's the point. If we can't stand up for Jesus in a room where everybody will be cheering and clapping and applauding, how do we stand up for Jesus in a world who will try to intimidate you and mock the name of the Lord? Again, we're not called to be weird, but we are called to be real. And we can't do this lifestyle on our own. We need Him. And so I just want to speak that blessing. If you prayed that prayer of salvation, just so I know who I was praying with, and I want to speak that blessing over your life. At the count of three, and I know some of you are timid, so I want those who are bold to move quick. But if you're, I want all of, if you prayed that prayer, meant business with God, to the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet and stay where you're at. But stand to your feet and stay there. One, two, three. Stand to your feet right now. Who prayed that prayer? Who was I praying with? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Stay standing. Stay standing. Come on. One in the back, they tell me. Hallelujah. There's another one. Hallelujah. All right, stretch your hands toward, first of all, let me say congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, we thank you for everyone that's standing that represents a soul saved today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that they are, this is a brand new day for them. I curse every curse that's been assigned to their past in their life. We break it. Everything that's been used as a trap to cause them to fall and fail, I break it in Jesus' name. Remove from their life all wrong desires. And Father, I ask you to strengthen them by the Holy Spirit, according to your word. Strengthen them with might to serve you by your spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you. Come on, give the Lord a better hand clap than that. Angels of sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.